So God gave us Jesus. And so it is our time now to give Jesus to the world. The purpose of this season is to give people Jesus. And I'm telling you that now is a time when people really need Jesus. They have lost the hope. They have lost belief in anything that is constructive and important. They're just losing and they feel like life is meaningless. And it takes the intervention of heaven to change the dynamics of people's life. And so you and I as believers have an opportunity in these times to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? By our speaking, but most importantly, by our living. One of the ways we spread that by living is operating under the, the theme that we have been teaching on. That God is still in control. The world must look at us and believe that. In spite of all that is happening, look at how they are operating. In other words, they need to see a different operation in the life of a born-again believer in these times. They can't see a stressed-out church, a worrisome church, a burdensome church. They must see a church that is full of love and joy and peace. Amen? And that says to them, for the church people, they live under this principle. God is still in control. And so if you don't have that assurance, I want to give you that assurance this morning. That regardless of what is happening around you, maybe in you, above you, below you, beside you, for you, or against you, God is still in control. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is still in control? God is still in control. And so we have been going through Psalm chapter 23, looking at the different verses and how they help us to remember that when we make the Lord our shepherd, we can trust that he's in control. And so this morning we are at verse 5. And verse 5 is really speaking about our three things. It's speaking about God preparing a table in the presence of your enemy. God uh, anointing our heads with oil and our cups running over. And those are three things in the midst of what the psalmist was going through. He's saying that God is still in control. Because in the midst of what was going on, God can still prepare a table. God can still anoint your head. And God can still cause your cup to overflow. So let me say it again. In the midst of what is going on, because God is still in control, he can cause you to have a table in the presence of your enemy. He can still anoint your head with oil, and he will still cause your cup to overflow. Amen? And so the psalmist is going through a very painful experience as he comes to verse 5. And he says, you prepare a table before me. Then he says, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. And so today's sermon is titled, In Painful Situation... God is still in control. Whatever form of pain you're going through, maybe you're going through financial pain, whether you're going through emotional pain or spiritual pain, understand that even in those circumstances, God is still in control. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we are going to read the first five verses of Psalm chapter 23. Then we're going to pray and get into God's word. Amen. So just jump to your feet with me. We stand for the reading of God's word. If you're watching online, you can stand with us too. We have a declaration that we say. So I'm going to ask you to lift your Bibles up. Hallelujah. And declare with me that this is God's word. Not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today... I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let's read. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Heavenly Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word of truth and your word of life. Your word is living and powerful and sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we understand from your word that you have honored your, your, your word above your name because you keep your word to the very end. Nothing can change or alter your word. Your word stands forever. God, we, we receive your logos and we receive your rhema word this morning. We ask you in the name of Jesus that as we hear your spirit, that we respond in faith and see life change. This moment, this time, this whole service is dedicated to you and to you alone. And so we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. God is in control. So today we look at how to deal with uh, hurt and pain. And you may not admit it, you may not accept it, but the truth is that every single person in this room experienced pain. We have gone through some painful emotional experience. Maybe it was caused by something verbal. Maybe it was caused by something physical. Uh, maybe because a relationship ended that we didn't want to end. Or maybe we ended a relationship that needed to end it. Needed to end. But either way, or whichever way you see it, we all have experienced some level of pain. My pain may be more than yours, but it is still pain. Your pain may be more than mine, but it is still pain. But because we live in a fallen world, we get hurt. It is unavoidable that if you live on this planet called Earth, at some point you're going to experience hurt. You're not good enough to avoid it. You're not intelligent enough to avoid it. It's going to happen. You can find ways of minimizing the amount of hurtful experiences you have. But know this, before your life ends, you're going to hurt. Oftentimes, the hardest hurt comes from the places where we love the most. Like the people you love the most, often hurt you the most. Because if you don't love people, not too often what they do to you really cause you deep emotional pain. But when you really love and something goes wrong, it hurts. But if you live on earth and you are human, you're going to experience hurt. Now, you may not look like it right now. You may not act like you are hurt or act like you have been hurt. But you probably have been. Amen? So we get hurt physically by accidents and disease. And we get hurt emotionally by other people. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been hurt by someone else? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Have you ever hurt somebody? There you go. It means that this message is for you. You see, relationships can bring the greatest joy in our lives. But at the same time, they can also bring the greatest pain in our lives. I am telling you, relationships are so hard to manage. In fact, one of the very fundamentals of our life is relationship. In other words, you cannot exist without relationship. Let me say that again. You cannot exist without relationship. And here's the thing. You have to have a relationship with God and you have to have a relationship with people. That's the way the cross is. It is vertical and it is horizontal. And all the commandments are summed up in those two things. To do what? To love God, love people. Go up and go across. That's it. That's life. Life is very simple. Love God, love people. Amen? Love up, love across. And so therefore, we, relationships are important. Relationship with God, relationship with people. And if you find that you don't want to be in relationship with people, you need to find Jesus. Because you're lost. 
when you begin to see all the relationships in your life deteriorating, you need to find Jesus to restore them. Because you cannot exist and live a healthy life without healthy relationships. Amen? It's impossible. So people hurt us sometimes and that hurt is intentional. Or they do it intentionally. But sometimes it is unintentional. They didn't mean to, but it happens. Sometimes it is accidental and sometimes it is on purpose. Sometimes people really want to hurt you, but sometimes they really don't want to hurt you. But you get hurt. We get hurt of our silly things, you know. I mean, some of the things sometimes, you know, that we get hurt over, it's kind of crazy. Some of us are hurt by family members who we think should be helping us out now. And they have not. And we just vex with them and say they're hurt because they treat us bad. Some of us are upset and we get hurt and we carry deep, hurtful feelings because you like a guy, you never told him that you like him, and then he goes and marries somebody else. And here's what happened. You get vexed because it hurt your feelings. I plan on doing it. But it happens. Means somebody didn't call to you, and you get hurt. Because you think you are close. Maybe they have not called your phone in six months. So you are hurt. Maybe you thought by now they would have filed for you. And all I know. Them don't even file for you. I'll leave you out to yourself and one of them gone off foreign. And you are hurt. And the people don't know. That's the thing. It's real. But how do you handle hurt? How do you? When you're hurt, what do you do? When, when, when you're really hurt, what do you do? How do you deal with it? If you're hurting now, how are you dealing with it? That's a big question to answer. And we're going to look at it t- today. Because many times we handle our hurt in the wrong way. So I'm going to show you some of those wrong ways to see if you could identify with them so you can correct them. And then I'm going to give you three right ways to handle your hurt. And then I'm going to give you some stuff to give to people. I'm going to give you three things. How many of you, you don't have a gift yet to give to somebody for Christmas? Uh, one, two, three. All right. So I have three gifts to give to you today. That if you give it to people in a real way, they'll have a better Christmas. Three, I'm going to give you three things before you leave today to give away. Amen? You should be excited and I don't like that. Like, like, you see, you don't have any faith. What happens is that you want to see it first. That's what's happening, you know. You want to see it first. That is what, that is what your mind telling you. I, have, I know what your mind telling you, you know. You're not getting excited until you see it. Somebody, you're not supposed to say amen for that, you know, but, 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 but Amen. But what, so let's look at five wrong ways of dealing with hurt. Number one, ignoring our hurt never heals them. Ignoring our hurt never heals them. You cannot ignore your hurt. This is what we call the macho man approach to pain. Just suck it up. Pretend it doesn't exist and hope that it will go away. This is how men operate. Men operate like they're not hurt because they have to be macho. Worse if a girl hurt them. When a girl hurt a man, he no one tell nobody. Because in front of more love of him, you can imagine. Can you imagine? A guy walks up to you crying and he says, What to you? <laughs> but nice girlfriend left me no bossy. <laughs> like, like he's so embarrassed to say that that he pretends that it is nothing. And what happened with hurt? Let me help you. Say this with me. Hurt people? Hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And, and the worst thing you could ever do is be in a relationship. If you are hurt 
and the other person is hurt. Because that relationship will be hurtful. But men like to ignore their hurt. Especially when they are hurt. How many men feel bad about how their father treated them? But they never talk about it. They ignore it until way down in life you hear something comes up and you realize that he was operating or behaving this particular way because he was carrying something against his father. Women do it too. But men more so. So there are several ways we ignore our hurt. We deny our hurt by saying that didn't hurt me. I am not mad. I am not mad. Let me come back to my male friends. Like when, when the girl leave them, they, they just like they move on. And people, people even ask them, how you move on so fast? You see, that's how it looks on the outside. But on the inside, it's eating them up many times. And what is going to happen is that they're going to take that hurt undealt with to their next relationship. Not only that, but what, to ignore a hurt means we delay our hurt. We say, I will deal with it later. And here's why. Because I don't get mad. I get even. You wait. <laughs> eh? You wait. Can't get quacko. Get him shot. Give it some time. So we walk away when we are hurt. Pretending like we are not mad. And then two years down the road, we say, yeah, man. Me know said this dog will happen. Mm-hmm. You know how long me I wait for you? You know how long me I wait for you to come back and beg me for run you like a dog? When me did that, I'm face where you did that. You remember, I said, you come up there, come, come, come thing, and, and you, you go on and thing. Oh, and then we say to them, you know, you did hurt me, I make me feel bad. But at the moment, we didn't say anything. Because we were delaying the hurt. Because we delayed it because we plan on getting even with the person. This is where sometimes on the female side, like women sometimes don't get mad with men, you know. They just get even. Okay, go on, man, do your thing. Are you swear you get where, you know? <laughs> And then one day they say to you, oh, have you ever had this? And they say, you remember? Do you remember? This is not the first. Let me, re- let me remind you. And all the stuff begin to come up because when the hurt took place, it was delayed. Though the instant reaction, they didn't get mad. We also minimize our hurt. It is not a big deal. It didn't hurt so badly. But you have heard it said, time Heals all wounds. But sometimes time, make, time makes an infection grow worse. That's the thing. Listen. Hurt is not a, a sore. It is a cancer. And you cannot ignore cancer. And it gets better. It gets worse. Maybe you can ignore the sore and allow the elements to heal it. But when it comes to cancer, you cannot ignore it. If you try to ignore cancer, it only gets worse. And that's how hurt is. When you have hurt and you ignore it, it's like cancer. It's going to spread until it consumes your whole life and possibly take your life. So denying, delaying, or minimizing hurt turns minor problems into major ones. To take the minor problems... And turn it into major one. Because that's what happened. If you deny, you minimize, or you delay it. What happened? All of a sudden, a little thing come up. But because so much hurt was already built up. You blow up over the very minor things. Because you had some major under the surface things happening over time. Because you ignore so much. You ever hear this? That people do two things. They either implode or they explode. Have you ever done something and you wonder, oh, you're going somebody's a small thing. One little plate drop. 
and he turned in a fist white in the house. And he realized that all this pent up anger has been there for years because things were ignored. You can't ignore. You can't leave things. It grows. You can't ignore it. Wounds get infected and spread when they aren't dealt with. Uh, Psalm 39 verse 2. It says this. I was mute with silence. Have you been like that? You're going through something and you just keep silent. You hear them say, silent river. Yes. It, say, it said, says this. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred up. And what the psalmist was saying is that I kept silent. I, I said nothing about, but what happened as I was doing that, as I was, I was even trying to hold my peace, sorrow was building up inside of me. In other words, I, the hurt was getting more and more and more and more and more. So ignoring our hurt does not work. It only makes it worse. You cannot ignore it. So today, if you have our, do not ignore it. Deal with it. Deal with it because God is still in control. You have to deal with it because it's only going to make your life worse. Some of the reactions that we have towards people is because we have so much hurt on the inside of us that we have not dealt with. We have been ignoring it. Amen? Secondly, running away from our hurt never heals them. Say so you have the, the macho man mentality, but you also have the Mr. Chicken approach to dealing with hurt, which is to escape, retreat, or run as fast as you can. People like to run away. As soon as they have a problem, shoot out of here. I am out of here. Uh, they, they always want to change location. Do you know that if you are hurting wherever you go, you carry the hurt with you? You have to, you can't run away from it. And I'll tell you this. Dealing with these things in life at a relational level, understand this, it's like a test. And here's the thing, if you don't pass the test now, you're going to get the test again. Because you will never transition to your next level until you pass this test. And maybe why you keep running into the same issue is because you keep running from the same issue. Come on, let me say that again because I want you to hear it. The reason why you keep ending up in the same situation is because you keep running away from the same situation. And until you take some time to equip yourself with the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome that situation, you're going to keep going through the test of that situation. You can't run away from it. You have to deal with it. It's human nature. When we feel pain, we run. Psalm 55, 68, verse 6 to 8 says this. If only I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and find rest. You know that song? If I had the wings of a dove, I would fly, fly away, fly away and be at rest. That's a favorite part of the scripture for us, you know. Like we want to fly away from people. Fly away from our marriages. Fly away from our jobs. You know when the people were de deny the success of their destiny because they chose to run from the place where their destiny would have been forged and formed. If you had just stayed and dealt with the problem, you'd have walked into your destiny. But you ran away. And in running away, you know that Jacob had to deal with Esau. After years, it had to come back to that. David had to deal with Saul. Did you realize? It, it had to come back to that. Peter had to deal with Paul. It had to come back to... You cannot run away from things and don't deal with them. When we get hurt, we sometimes run. But when we return, the problem will still be there. Problems were not made to be run away from. They were made to be solved and resolved. Especially relationship problem. You cannot run away from your father. You cannot run away from your mother. You cannot run away from your husband and your wife or your kids. You have to deal with the stuff. You cannot run away from people. Because wherever you go, people are going to be there. Even if you go to hell, you're going to learn to deal with people. 
Amen? Can't run away from our hurt. Running away from our hurt doesn't solve it. And so, by running away, sometimes it's not to physically uh, run to a a location. It means you, you run to television. Your life is consumed with watching television because you don't want to deal with certain stuff. Or to move in. Some people take up drugs. Some people take up shopping. Some people divorce. Some people start drinking and consume alcohol. Some people run to sex. Some people run to food. Some people run to school. Whatever we can use to find relief. People run to find relief. We want to find relief. People run go foreign. Want to find relief. Only to find out when you reach a foreign be a people that are the same way. Isn't it amazing that people say, boy, I can't bother with Jamaica. And when they run away and they leave Jamaica, the same problems that they were experienced in Jamaica are the same problems that they experienced here ago. Because your problems will follow you unless you deal with your problems. Amen? Number three, number three. Hiding our hurts. Never heal them. Many of us are good at doing this. We wear a mask. We don't tell anyone we hurt. We are quite good at camouflaging our pain. Listen, I am 100% sure that at least one person is hurting in this room this morning. But if you look at all the faces, you would never be able to tell. Because here's what we do. We wear masks very well. We hide how we really feel. Because we don't want to be exposed. And so many times we hide our hurt. Right? Many of us do that. And so when someone asks if we are okay, we normally say that everything is fine. Has that ever happened to you? You're not fine and someone asks you, are you fine? And you tell them that you are fine. That is because you want to hide the hurt that you're going through. We don't like to admit that someone has hurt our feelings. And so they ask you, um, did, I, did I say something to hurt you? No, you didn't. We sometimes believe, and here's what happened, because we sometimes believe that if we admit that we are hurt, we open ourselves up to more hurt, so we hide it. We somehow believe that if I say I am hurt, you are probably going to hurt me more, so might as well I don't share it. If I tell you how I really feel, you're going to add to that hurtful feeling. And so here's the thing. I can't deal with that. So I am going to hide it. This does not help. No, you can't tell everyone your business. Okay? Like some people I don't believe should hear nobody's business. Because their ears are connected to their mouth. Like, like you know, it, it just goes from ear. For them it don't go through brain and heart. You go from ear to mouth. Alright? So that's fine. But I want you to understand that it is in the revealing of our feelings that, the, that healing begins. So just look at the person beside you and say to them, revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Listen, I like when someone said to me, listen, you did this and it hurt me. What, what I don't like, wouldn't we all like that? If someone, would you prefer for someone to, to walk with a hurt against you, something you did to them and they don't tell you, but them all cook for you, you know, them all, you understand me? Them all invite you to them house and you go to them house, but deep down, them, you hurt them and they're not saying anything to you. Wouldn't we all want a person to reveal to us that, you know what, you said something and I don't like it. You did something. Don't we all like that? Because it is in the revealing that the healing process begins. So the person will not be able to help you through the healing process until you get to the revealing part. We have to start revealing. Most of our problems we have is because everybody's hiding what happened. Amen? So James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another so that, so that, so that you may be healed. 
You have to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. You're saying, Pastor, confess. You must be mad. Tell them your church people, your fibby business. Yeah, you must be mad. But that is so important. It's so important that we find someone that we can trust. Someone who can keep confidence confidentiality. It's so important that we pray for one another, pray for one another and encourage one another and lift one another up because it takes a mature Christian to care for another Christian. Everybody has hurt. So you are not alone. You're not even the only one with the hurt that you got. Everybody hurts. But on top of that, whatever is causing you to feel hurt, other people are experiencing it. And here's what happened. If I come to you, this is the joy of revealing our feel. If I come to you and say, listen, here's my struggle. Here's what I'm going through. It gives you, if you are going through that, it, you, you, you immediately, what they call a sigh of relief. Ah. And you now become open. One of the things that happens in church is that everybody hiding everything. So everybody is dying from everything that they're hiding. And we won't be healed until we begin to confess and be open. I always tell you about Brother Howie, right? Brother Howie will tell you, he tells you he's older, so he's bolder. Right? So he will tell you everything. I mean, he will tell you all kind of things that I didn't want to discuss in church. Because he does that, and he's so open about it, when you sit with him, you have no other choice than to tell him everything. Because it makes it look like you're a local sin. Can't compare for female level kind of sin and deception. And, and all I'm saying is that, if that were how we operate, then we'd have more things dealt with. But here's the thing. One of the things the enemy is causing you to do. You're hiding your feeling. You're hiding the thing that is hurting you. And as long as you're hiding that, you won't get healed from it. I'm telling you. Because the enemy strives in darkness. Understand this. You are not the only one. There are other people. And that's why the scripture says, pray, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. So here's what you do. Share your hurt in a place that is safe and you will begin healing. Share your, share your hurt in a place that is safe and you will receive your healing. How does it work? Let me tell you how this works because I, I want to help you. A lot of times people will say things like, boy, I don't want to tell them because next thing I go tell them that, that you know, this happening to me and that happening to me and then go tell everybody. So let me just put something to you and I need your help. And then I'm going to move on. If you approach me today and you said to me, you know what, I'm hungry, I have no food for Christmas. And I gave you five million dollars. And said, listen, keep this for Christmas. Use it for whatever you want. Here you go. I gave you five million dollars. Would you be upset if I went and said, listen, I bless my sister with five million dollars? Would you be upset if I did that? How many persons would be upset if I did that? Seriously. Most people would not be upset. Right? Why? Alright, what? So, so if you, you came to me and asked, said the same thing to me, you don't have any food for Christmas, and I gave you a plate of rice and peas and some chicken and some sorrel for drink. Right? Just one plate. And you eat it and everything. And then I came and said, listen, so-and-so was, um, you know, didn't have anything for Christmas and I gave them something. Would you be upset? Amen. Thank you for, for your honesty. Listen, people are upset now. Can you know what? I want to look at plate of food and you forgot to tell everybody. It's okay if you tell them about the $5 million, but don't tell them about the plate of food. Watch this. I have met your needs in both situations. So here's the thing. When we are not satisfied with what we are receiving, we don't want it to be spoken about. That's the problem. 
if you are satisfied, so it is not that the person chopped too much, it's that you're not satisfied that what they give you was enough for them to talk about. If you were satisfied that what they gave you was so much, you would not have a problem with them telling the whole world. Let me give you an example. So a person comes to me and says, Pastor, I have HIV. And I say, all right. And they, they, they say, I need you to help me. I say, not a problem. Let me direct you to up at the HIV clinic so you can get some medication. They go up there and they get little medication. And I come to church and say, hey, you know that our brother so-and-so came and told me that they have HIV. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I send them up to the AIDS clinic. You know what they'll do? Pastor, what kind of thing that pastor you've got to tell people? Look how long we have this. I'm going to tell nobody you've got to tell people. Watch, watch this now. Watch me now. Watch me now. But, but if I prayed for them in private and they got healed, they went to the doctor and they said, listen, you don't have this anymore. And I came to church and said, listen, I pray for so-and-so. Hallelujah. And listen, here are the results. They are healed in Jesus' name. You know that they would not have a problem. So it's not that people chat what they give you. It's just that what they talk about, you don't think is enough for them to talk about. In other words, don't let it be a problem. If people want to talk your business, let them talk it. The thing is that you getting healed is way more important than you're talking. Come, come on now. Listen, I'm saying this to you because I used to have a problem with it. If I'm on all by me all, more while you have some bridge and then buy all, I look Malta. And then go tell him, friend, you know, say, me buy the one, oh, I want Malta the other day. But me ask bridge and then you, got, you buy one, I want to come out to that time, you go tell him, say, you buy him on Malta. You go like, say, I want kiss, you give me. One look Malta. And look what things me do. And so the issue becomes like we don't want people to talk about the stuff because we don't think what we have received from it is enough for them to talk about. And it can't be like that. The most important thing is receiving our healing. Amen? Number four, worrying over your hurt never heal them. Sometimes we hover over our hurt like a, 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 a mother hen hovers over her chicks. You see, worry is an attempt to control the uncontrollable. And there are things in our lives that we cannot change. We cannot change. We are not God, so why try to be God? We are not God. You see, worry is playing the pain over and over again in our life. You can't worry about it. Why worry about it? If it's not going to change, why worry about it? Move on. You're worried about a situation from childhood. Worrying about it won't change it. You're worried about the situation with your ex. That won't change it. You worry about the situation from five years ago. Worrying about it won't change it. And so here is what God's word tells us to set our minds on. Don't put your mind on the past hurt and pain and keep it there. For Colossians 3, 2 to 3 says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Stop worrying about it. So this passage tells us why we should set our minds on heavenly things. For you died and your life is hidden in God. If Christ is really in charge, why should I worry? Because worry never solves problems and it never heals hurt. The more you worry about it, the bigger it actually gets. Don't worry about it. The hurt you don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Set your mind on things above. Don't worry about your hurt. Don't ignore them. Don't run away from them. Don't hide them. Number five, wrong way to deal with dealing with hurt. Being angry over hurt never heals them. Sorry, being bitter over hurt never heals them. Refuse to be bitter. Refuse to be bitter. Why? Because bitterness never makes us better. And it's hurt, it hurts us more than it hurts the person we are bitter against. When you are bitter, you are hurting yourself. You ain't hurting the person. 
you're hurting you most times. So sometimes when people hurt, they become bitter. They get angry and they clothe themselves in what I call self-pity. Because bitterness is a self-destructive behavior. It is a poison that will kill you. The person who dies from bitterness is the person who holds on to bitterness. Don't be bitter. James 1 verse 20 says, Man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. When you're walking in bitterness, you cannot fulfill God's righteousness. You cannot refuse to be bitter. Anger and bitterness never heals your hurt. And even if you're angry, the scripture says, be angry and sin not. The scripture says, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Get over it. Let it go. Trust God. I know you're saying that, Pastor, you don't know how badly hurt I am. What you're talking about, get over it. Well, because God's word is so appropriate. And it tells us why we should and how we should. That's what Psalm 23 verse 5 is about. The three things it says is that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Then it says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. You is found in this verse two times. And each time it is used, there's a specific plan. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. You is the Lord himself, our shepherd. He is the one who can heal your hurt. You can't heal it. A relationship can't heal your hurt. Alcohol can't heal your hurt. Uh, Sex can't heal your hurt. Money can't heal your hurt. A new location can't heal your hurt. Only the shepherd can heal your hurt. So the first thing you need to do is to let Jesus protect you. Because he is the shepherd. And only the shepherd can heal the sheep. Listen, sheep can't even heal sheep. Because if two sheep hurting, they need a shepherd. We need a shepherd to heal us. We need a shepherd to protect us. That's what this is saying in Psalm 23 verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Meaning that if God is going to put you in, the, in front of your enemies, it means that God is able to protect you. That's why he would place you there. It's a sheep. Have many enemies. Wolves, bears, sticks, snakes. Many enemies. We are sheep. It means that we have many enemies. Some seen, some unseen. Some natural, some spiritual. We have many enemies. Not only that, but sheep are defenseless animal. We are defenseless against the enemies. When last have you seen one of your spiritual enemies? So if you can't see them, how are you going to defend yourself against them? That's why you need a shepherd. Because a shepherd sees all your enemies. They are defenseless. Sheep can't run. They don't have sharp teeth. So they can't fight back. They don't have claws. So they can't fight back. They are defenseless. We are defenseless. Therefore, we need the shepherd's protection. You understand? We need the protection of the shepherd. Because only he can provide that. Because his job is to lead. His job is to feed. And his job is to oversee his sheep. And part of overseeing his sheep is to protect them. So God says, let me handle those who hurt you. Some, maybe your mother hurt you, your father hurt you, your sister hurt you, your brother hurt you, husband hurt you, uh, wife hurt you, child hurt you, friend hurt you, boss hurt you, pastor hurt you, a church member, uh, 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 somebody hurt you. Let God handle the hurt. And let him handle those who hurt you. God says, let me set things straight. Let me take care of your enemies. Let me set a table before you, even in the presence of your enemies. Let God protect you from those who hurt you. Let him defend you. And that's why Paul says in Romans 12, 17 to 19, Repay no one evil for evil. 
Let me say that again. Repay no one evil for evil. Let the shepherd repay. Let the shepherd deal with it. So when they have dealt with you and dealt with you in an evil way, what are you supposed to do? Deal with them in a good way. Maybe uh, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, somebody has done evil to you. Don't repay them evil for evil. God, deal with it. Amen? That's one thing. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't repay evil for evil. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Let me say that. You have to live peaceably. You know, Matthew chapter 5, there's a part in it called the Beatitudes. And part of it says, blessed are the peace what? Say it with me. Peace what? Peace. So by being a peacemaker, it means that you, you make peace. You don't keep peace, you know. You make peace. But we have become peacekeepers instead of peacemakers. You see, a peacemaker goes over. A peacemaker says, you are wrong, but I'm going to apologize to you. Like, like that's what a peacemaker does. A peacekeeper says, well, until you apologize to me, me not apologize to you. After me not do you nothing. Me not do you nothing, so me not apologize to you. A peacemaker says, listen, you have wronged me, but I, I honor this relationship. I am a peacemaker. Let me apologize to you. How many of you think you can do that? Like, even when you are right, you apologize. Some of us don't even like to apologize when we're wrong. Much less to apologize when we write. The scripture says, as much as it is to you, you, you know what the best thing you can do this Christmas? You see, all of those people who have done you wrong, make peace with them. Call them and say, listen, I was in church, and my gift to you is a healthy relationship. I apologize for how I've acted based on how you have treated me. Oh my God. That would make many people Christmas. You don't have to buy them anything. It, how many of you can really call people and say, I am sorry? Some people would rather that than get an expensive gift. The real gift of this season is healthy, God based relationships, God centered relationships. It goes on and says, Beloved, do not avenge yourself. But rather leave place to the to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Let God deal with him. Listen, you cannot deal with people the way God deal with them. You ever hear about the place called Sodom and Gomorrah? You hear about Pharaoh's army? Look, we can't do those things. If you really want to see things, allow God to deal with it. Because what you're going to do to the person is a seed you're going to sow. So if you do them evil, and that's part of the problem in our country, right? In Jamaica, Recently, I mean, you hear about killings in, in Clarendon and in Kingston. Simple arguments from the news, what we have heard. Things move from zero to 100 in Jamaica in like zero seconds. You can start and say, my youth, you so. Boom, and somebody die. So the, the news is that in Clarendon, they were breaking a prank. They did some prank thing. I tell people all the way, I say, Jamaica is not a place for pranks. Because in Jamaica, we move from zero to a hundred. I, I see people have these pranks where they go around and like them bursting gas on people and all of those things. I said, brother, you don't try them things in this country. You go on the road and all about your pranking people and, and burst gas and say so you prank them on them, you're dead. I, this is my name. I can, I'm telling you. And so here it is that they said they had a prank and about some bike thing. And all you know is that 
By the time the prank done on money, can't find the bike, them kill some people for the bike. And then some people go back and kill some more people. And none of the people in the prank dead. Seven people were shot, five dead, and none of them had nothing to do with the prank. The point is that you cannot repay evil for evil. Because men think reprisal. God thinks restoration and forgiveness. Because when you hurt somebody, somebody going to hurt you. Because mankind's mindset is reprisal. That's why, listen, that's why we have to leave it to God. Because nobody can carry out no reprisal against God. Amen? Listen, part of having faith in God is to trust that he will protect you even from your enemy. When we say we have faith in God, it means that I trust that God can protect me. Do you believe that God, I mean, how many of you believe that God can trust you? Just put up your hand. Do you believe that God can protect you from your enemy? So why so why, why you want to fight them? The longer you try to get revenge is the longer you are not trusting God. A revengeful attitude and heart is saying, I don't trust God to, to really do this for me. So I'm going to do it myself. Let God protect you. Secondly, let Jesus heal you. You see, there are two reasons that a shepherd put oil on the head of the sheep. One was to soothe the sheep. The other was to heal the sheep. You see, one of the worst enemies of sheep are flies. And so flies bite sheep so much that it causes the sheep to bleed. And once it starts bleeding, the bleeding attracts more flies. The thing is that the sheep can't do anything about the flies. So we are what? We are sheep. We can't do anything about the flies. There are too many flies. I mean, I have some flies that my, some, they call them mosquitoes, but, but I think they are galling. You know that thing they call galling? They, I mean, they are so big. Listen, I swear that if I can catch them, I can fry them. I mean, they are so big. I am telling you. These are not normal mosquitoes nowadays. These, listen, these mosquitoes don't come from regular mosquitoes back in my childhood. This, these mosquitoes must be made at a factory. These are not normal mosquitoes. I tell you how dangerous flies are. You really believe you can get rid of a mosquito? Out the destroy, you think you get rid of them. Turn off the phone and you see what happened. It looks like they, they just wait until they, boom, like that they sent to you. Oh, you think you're smart. All right, we just go wait. Can't destroy the soon done. Like they have it cut down. <laughs> Ten, nine. You see, on your mark, let's see who first can get some blood. Eight, seven, six, whoosh. means that, listen, you, we can't do it. We can't do it. That's why we need the shepherd. Little things can cause much irritation. You see, the shepherd takes the olive oil, he mixes it in a little sulfur, and he puts the mixture on the head of the sheep as an insect repellent. And this keep, helps to keep flies away. Alright? So what the shepherd does is rub this anointing. Amen? Rub the anointing on the head of the sheep. And it becomes an insect repellent. And therefore, the, the, the flies can't come and bite the sheep. Alright? So we are the sheep. God comes and put his anointing on us. Meaning, flies can't come and bite us. Let God protect you. The other way that all is used uh, is as an ointment. When a sheep has an open wound, the shepherd puts oil on it and helps to helps the healing process and take away some of the pain. Alright? Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the broken hearted and he binds up their wounds. Sometimes he, he heals us by sending people to help us. That is called fellowship. That is why church is important. I need you, you need me. Because God brings people into our lives to help us go through the healing process. We need each other. And that is why church is important. And though we are in isolation, we need not be disconnected relationally because we need each other and maybe what gift you can give to a person in Christmas is find a way of connecting to someone in a real way because people need fellowship amen it's the 
sometimes he heals by making his presence known in our lives. That is called worship. Sometimes the healing takes place right away and sometimes it takes time. You see, God always heals if we trust him. He heals the brokenhearted. It's a promise that we can count on. Even when we have been totally healed, there are scars. There will always be scars after you have been hurt. You have a choice when you look at those scars. You can look at the scars and remember the hurt. Or you can look at the scar and remember the healing. The choice is yours. You can focus on the hurt or you can focus on the healer. I choose to focus on the healer. Amen? He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over me in Jesus. Bless you. Let Jesus bless you. That's the third way of dealing with hurt in your life. Let Jesus bless you. In the Bible, an overflowing cup is a symbol for total satisfaction. It represents all that, that all my needs are cared for. It means I am totally taken care of and I am totally blessed. So when it says my cups run over, it means that total satisfaction. Total satisfaction. All my needs are taken care of. It means that I am totally blessed. When you say my cup run over, you're saying I am totally blessed. I'm not just a little blessed. I am totally blessed. I'm not itsy bitsy blessed. I am mega blessed. I'm not just regular size blessed. I am super sized blessed. My cup is up to the brim and it is spilling out. My cup is overflowing. How does Jesus bless you? Are you living an overflowing life? Are you living in God's abundance? Are you living in God's victory? If you have Jesus as your savior, you can say, my cup runs over. What does it run over with? What does my cup? We understand my cup run over. Listen, I don't know what you're going through, but your cup is running over. How do I know? I know because your people who are worse than you. The problem is that we're measuring our cup against the wrong cup. So we feel like our cup don't have much. Let me break it down for you. I had a grandmother, right? Back in the days, they used to have some metal, big old cup, teacup, mug. But they started making some plastic one. They normally come in yellow. Green and red. Big old cup with some big old handle. That's what people used to drink them chocolate and Milo and coffee in. My grandmother used to have one of them big mug there. But when me get tea, me get it in a teacup. And my grandmother drink in a mug. And she said, make sure you fill up my mug to the brim. My grandmother's mug was so big that if she took her mug and threw some in my teacup, she still have more than me. So I could not look and say, boy, I mean, I tell you, look how my cup look a bit. No, because I look at my grandmother's cup. My grandmother's cup is a different size. But when I put my cup against the rest of tea cup, my cup look big. And maybe the reason why you don't think you're overflowing is because you're comparing your cup with the wrong size cup. You, you, you follow me? So, regardless of what you're going through this morning, my cup runs over. Because there are some people who don't even have a cup. So I have a cup. And my cup runs over. You understand me? In, in, in the Asian culture, they even have some... I don't know what they're doing. They just, they just, they just drink tea. Can I get some tea, please? Watch them. I used to watch a, like a karate movie. And they just throw a little thing and just... And, and it's done. Like, they, they're taking teas in shots. <laughs> done. Listen... And they are satisfied. Totally. What, what does it mean? Total satisfaction. It means that whatever cup God has given you. Total satisfaction. And it is full and overflowing. Alright. So if your cup is full and overflowing. It means that some other people around you. Right. Listen. I could get some out of my grandmother's cup. So somebody can get some out of my cup. Whatever the size of your cup is. Because it is overflowing. Someone can benefit from what is in your cup. Amen? So what are, there are three things. There are three things that are in your cup that these are the three gifts I'm giving to you. 
You have these three things in your cup and they're overflowing. And I want you to cause them to flow into other people's life. Number one is hope. My cup runs over. Come on, just say that with me. My cup runs over with hope. The salvation that Jesus gives make our cups overflow with hope. Uh, Romans 15 verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may what? Abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. To abound means to have whole heap of hope. Listen, you have more hope than you need for yourself because your cup overflows. Give some to somebody during this season. Amen. So my hope is built what this hymn says. And nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust my sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. He has given us complete salvation. And that's hope. Number two, just say with me, my cup runs over with love. It means that you have an abundance of love to share. He loves us so much that he died for us and he has shed his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You have more love than you need in Jesus. So share some love this season. First Thessalonians 13 verse 12 says, And may the master pour on the love so it fills your lives and splashes over. And everyone around you, just, just as it does for us to you. Say, let the love splash over. Let the love splash over. This festive season, let hope abound and let the love splash over. Let the love splash over. When you go home, let the love splash over. When you go to the supermarket, let the love splash over. Come on, done with it. Come on, just say, done with the hate. In with the love. Take, take, listen, just, come on, just say, uh, just, uh, say uh, pour out hate. Fill up my cup with love. Yes, yes, yes. So no, 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 no. Come, come and say, don't fill it to the overflow. Why? Because you need something to give to some people around you. Amen? We're out with the hate and in with the love. The third thing, the third thing, the third thing, the third thing is this. My cup runs over with joy. Come on, just say that with me. My cup runs over with joy. You see, God never stopped filling our cup. The message Bible says in John 16, 24, ask in my name according to my will and he will, most, he will most certainly give it to you. Your joy will be a river overflowing its bank. Listen, God has given you so much joy that you have enough joy for everybody you meet this week and everybody you will meet next week. You have so much joy. Why? Because you have life and you have God. It could have been worse. But you have joy. See, I don't know if you have ever been to someone's house for a visit and you were wondering, when should I leave? You know, in the Middle East, they have a custom. So the host will continue to fill the cup of the guests as long as they are welcome. And so when it gets late, the host will stop filling the cup. And that is a sign that it's time to, it's time to leave. The thing is though is that with God's house you're always welcome. So he always keeps pouring in your cups. So he says I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I will anoint your head with oil. Your cup will always overflow. See God has caused my cup to run over with hope. He has caused my cup to run over with love and with joy. So what does your cup overflow with? Listen. People need hope, they need love, and they need joy. And you have an abundance of all three. What are you going to do with it during this season? If people receive hope, love, and joy, they will be healed. And relationships will be better. Church will be better. Our homes will be better. Communities will be better. And this nation will be better. Jamaica don't need more money. We need more hope. We need more love. We need more joy. Listen, there are billionaires in Jamaica. So we have enough money. We just don't have enough love. We don't have enough hope. We don't have enough joy. Listen, 
let me tell you, there's enough money in Jamaica. There are people who, if they wanted to spend $10 million now, they could spend it and it don't affect their wealth. In Jamaica. So we have money. What we don't have is love to the dimension that we want and hope. And we don't have joy. And so that's what we want to give this season. And we give that by living a life. So I give hope, I give love, and I give joy. Come on, just stand to your feet with me. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that God would give you opportunity to pour the cup that he has filled. The cup of your life that he has filled. He will cause that cup to flow over and fall on other people. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We honor you. We give you glory today. We thank you that you prepare a table before us in the presence of all our enemies. You anoint our head with oil and our cups run over. Commit to stop ignoring our hurt. We will not hide. We will not run away from them. We will cause our hurts to make us bitter. Instead, Lord, we will let you, the good shepherd, protect us. And so we ask you now in the name of Jesus to use your oil. Rub it all over us, Lord God, to protect every enemy fly from biting and harming us. We leave all vengeance to you. For vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We refuse to repay evil for evil. We commit to being at peace with all men. By making peace. We declare you to be our healer. Because God... You heal our broken hearts and you bind up our wounds. Bless us, Lord, so we can be a blessing. We thank you that we are so blessed by you, the Good Shepherd, that our cups are overflowing. Our cups overflow this morning with hope, with joy, and with love. Uh, Give us, Lord, opportunity to pour this love and pour this joy and pour this hope in the lives of others so that we can have healthy relationships Christ sent you are the change that the world need we don't need more Christmas trees and Christmas lights and Santa Claus and expensive gifts we need Jesus as the song says Christ the Savior is born. Give us opportunity, Lord. Open our eyes to see the people around us that need hope. Give us a word to speak. Open our eyes to see the people around us who need joy. Give us words to speak. Open our eyes to see the people around us who need love. Give us words to speak. Oh, we bless you. Lord, we thank you. We honor you and give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Come on, just clap your hands for the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Merry Christmas when it comes. See you on Facebook on Thursday and on Friday. And remember, we do our New Year's Eve service 